Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. Now here is Pastor Scott Floyer. Morning. How you guys doing? Come on, let's wake up. We got to wake up a little bit. Get a little motivated. Maybe you slept in. So he came to service. It's okay. We'll get you going. We always talk about the difference between first service and second service. Second service takes a little bit longer to get the jokes. So we're going to work on getting this done today. Um, my, name, my name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm so excited you're here. I'm glad you're here because we're going to have a little fun. Okay, we're going to do things a little bit different. I tell a little bit of story, and we're just going to enjoy the morning, okay? Now, I'm going to be honest. I'll probably step on a few toes, get a little, you know, get a little, you know, close and personal about some of the things we're talking about. And if you don't like that, the doors are, oh, the doors are closed. You can't leave now. Okay. I'm just kidding. Um, this week, we're finishing up our series, That Was Then, This Is Now. And the whole idea behind this series was Jesus speaking to his followers, to the disciples, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. And so throughout this whole part of the Bible, he's constantly saying, so you've heard, but then he goes on and he says, but I say. And so as we walk through this, um, a lot of what we're saying that, that that was then is Jesus referring to Old Testament, referring to the Ten Commandments, referring to religious law of his day. And so he would say, so you've heard or so you've been told. And then he would step over and he'd say, but I say. And so I want to keep reminding us that it's very important about what he's saying is he's not saying get rid of the old stuff. What he's saying is I'm clarifying it more. What he's saying is this is the original intent that God had, but I, his son, am going to clarify it more. Now, this week, for those of you that are on our database system, I sent out an email kind of sharing a story about something that went on in my life. And now, I just want to remind you, if you want to get these emails, get your information in, get a part of the database, it's a good thing. Some of you are like, you know, the government's going to find out. No, this is for our church, you know. It's our way of being able to make sure we have communication with you, all those things. There's lots of cool stuff that go with it. So if you want the emails, you get in there. And so um, I sent out the email. And in in the email, I was sharing about a story between my brother and I. See, uh, I ha- I'm the oldest of four. I have two younger brothers and a younger sister. Uh, there is me, and then there's my brother Clay, and then there's my brother Casey, and then there's my sister Toby. And my brother and Clay and I were two years apart, so obviously there's going to be that older brother, younger brother kind of battling out kind of thing. And so we always had fun. We always, you know, it was one of those things where I could pick on him, but no one else could, you know, kind of mentality. I came home from football practice one night, just starving, and I was cruising the cupboards. That was my mom's, you know, she's like, you're like a land shark. <laughs> Must find Doritos. You know, so cruising the cupboards, and I just couldn't find anything to eat. So finally, I get to the, kit, the refrigerator. I'm looking through the refrigerator. I get to the freezer, and I, I look in the freezer, and I see there's this box of chicken McNuggets that are kind of open, but they're still, and, and it's full. And I'm thinking, oh, yes, mother load. So I grab them out. I heat them up. You know, I eat half of them, and by the time I get down to the living room where my brother Clay and my dad are, uh, I'm still eating the chicken McNuggets, and my brother looks at me and he goes, dude, are, you, are those the, the McNuggets from the freezer? I'm like, yeah, what? What's it to you? He's like, oh, you, no one told you? I'm like, whoa, whoa, told me what? He's like, mom accidentally left those out the other day all day long, and I didn't know it, so I put them in the freezer, so they're probably bad. You're probably going to get food poisoning. And I'm like, oh, no. And I had see my, see, my dad had gotten food poisoning a couple of weeks before, and I saw what happened to him. I did not want that to happen to me because, I mean, you know, 
what I'm talking about, the whole bodily function that happened. And so I'm like, I got, and now I want to tell you something about me. I'm not one of those people that throws up well. Okay, not that you should be like normal, you know, but the, my wife has had three kids, and by the third kid, it was like, hi, hi, and I was just, it was so natural, you know, I just remember her, just, and she just keep a conversation, I'm like, how did you just do that? Because I'm the guy that's in there, you know, waiting for my shoes to come out, I'm like, ah, you know, just screaming and yelling, I mean, I remember I got the flu one time, and my youngest walked over to my wife, she's like, is daddy gonna live, you know, because so I'm thinking, I, I am not going to get food poisoning. So I went into the bathroom, and I stuck my finger down my throat to make myself. Now, I don't do that. So I'm in there, you know, obviously making noise. Some of you, if you're not, if you have a so- queasy stomach, I'm sorry. But I'm just, uh, just getting sick. I come out, you know how you got sweat going. And, and I'm just, I got a towel. And I'm like, oh, man. I'm so, and as I come out in the living room, my father and my brother are laughing. And I'm just like, yeah, I know, I made noise. They're like, no, that's not what we're laughing at. I'm like, what are you laughing at? My brother turns to my dad. He says, you tell him. My dad says, no, you tell him. You did it to him. So my brother goes, mom bought those this evening. There's nothing wrong with them at all. And I'm just standing here, my stomach's hurting, and I'm just, what? And they're like, oh, they're perfectly fine. I'm like, I'm going to hurt you. See, now growing up in our family, our motto was, you're not even until you're one up. You know what I'm talking about? Brothers and sisters, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so if you're an only child, you missed out on so many things. All right? So I'm thinking, I'm going to pay him back. I, I have got to get even. So I waited. And I waited. It, you know, it's one of those mottos my dad always said. He's like, just remember, I don't forget. So I did. I'm like, I wait. So I waited until he went out on a date to get even with my brother. So as he went out on his date, I emptied his underwear drawer in the front tree of our house. I hung them from the, the branches. I loved seeing red and white boxers hanging everywhere. It was a beautiful thing. I, I even used clothes pins, so, you know, it looked like Christmas ornaments almost, you know. And I remember him pulling up, and his, the girl at the time was... I'm like, boxes in the tree, beautiful. So I waited on the roof with the garden hose. <laughs> Run up from the backside so he could not see it. And I waited there, and I laid there. Now, some of you are going, oh, this is not true. This is so true. My family will confirm it. In fact, you can, my wife is probably going, I am so sick of this story. You know, because my brother's like, remember the time? You know? And so I'm up there waiting, and I had the hose. I was ready, and both him and his date pulled up, you know, walked up in front of the house, and I soaked them both. Whoosh, just spraying it. And I could see my brother, you know, he's doing this up against the door, trying to get his keys in. She bails. Boom, gone. And I'm like, there's a smart woman right there. You know, so she bails it. And he's, and so I jump off the roof and I chase him in the house. I'm like, I'm going to get you. And he's like, uh-huh. Boom, runs up into his room, slams the door. And he goes, well, you can't do nothing. I'm like, try to come out. I had Vaseline the doorknob so much that he couldn't open up the door. I'm like, come out. And I hear him go, Will you please let me out? I mean, I was like, dude, I'm paying. And of course, my mom's like, Phil, talking to my dad, aren't you going to stop this? He goes, why? This is great entertainment. 
It's like, I just, he's like, I, you know, my dad was like popcorn. This is beautiful. You know, just letting it go. See, he, he knew what was going to happen because as brothers, you just cannot let that go, right? You got to do, and so of course, two weeks later, he did something to me, but eventually it just kept going and going. And you know, we're years into a life now. And there every once in a while, like he'll joke, he'll go, I still owe you. You know, it just, uh, you know, it's amazing how we still do this today with people that have hurt us. I still owe you. We think about it and we, we think about the hurt that they caused us. Maybe it's through a relationship. Maybe through its business dealing. Maybe it's just someone from our past, maybe in high school, and we're still holding on to some stupid anger about something and we're still thinking in our mind, I still owe you, and that I still owe you is tearing us apart. See, Jesus is coming to a place where he's talking to his followers about revenge, about getting even. See, what was going on between my brother and I was, it was fun. It was normal. It was, it was nothing malicious. We were just making someone throw up, though. I think it's a little teetering on me, especially me. No, but, you know, it, it, it wasn't about me trying to hurt him. It wasn't about him trying to hurt we get to that place because we're messed up, jacked up people and someone hurts us. Our plan is I'm going to hurt you back and I'm going to go one more. I'm going to go one up. See, Jesus is talking to his followers and he says, you know what? I want you to be different. I want you to do something different. I don't want you to live that way. He says, I want you to try something new. So this morning, as we go into this set of verses from the Sermon on the Mount, I want you to realize that Jesus is saying, so you've heard that it's okay to get even. He's going to say, but I say, I'm going to tell you to do something new. I'm going to challenge you to try something different. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Um, it's on the insert in your program, so you can follow along there. If you're using one of the Bibles on the chairs there, um, it's page 959, 960 that we're going to be reading through. But I think it's real important you're able to walk through this and hear what he's saying specifically to the people around him. He starts out, he says, you have heard that the law of Moses says, there you go, see, so you've been told, so you've heard. If an eye is injured, injure the eye of the person who did it. If a tooth gets knocked out, knock out the tooth of the person who did it. But I say, don't resist an evil person. If you're slapped on the right cheek, turn the other two. The other two. If you are ordered to court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. He goes on even further. He says, you have heard the law of Moses. It says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. See, Jesus steps over and he says, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust too. If you love only those who love you, what good is that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. See, Jesus has come to him and he says, okay, I'm going to clarify a few things. There's some things that you've been taught. There's some things that you've heard. And I'm going I'm to add to it. I'm going to clarify. I'm going to make it more clear to you about how you're supposed to handle these things. See, because I'm going to unpack a few things. Back in that culture, there was actually a law called the law of retaliation. It was set up by the religious leaders of the day to protect those people who could not defend themselves, who could not handle things in court, 
in life who maybe it was someone that had special needs. Maybe it was someone that was homeless. Maybe it was a, a widow. Maybe it was, it was this law of retaliation was to protect those people. So this is the whole picture of that first set of verses about turning the other cheek. See, it's not about allowing yourself to be a doormat. Unfortunately, we've taken it to the point where we say, well, if I'm going to be a true follower of Jesus, I'm going to let people beat me up. Okay, I'm going to let people abuse me. Okay, that is not what Jesus is saying. Okay, if you see a young man or a young woman or a wife or someone being abused, you are to stop that. You don't look at him and go, oh, turn the other cheek. Right? That's not what Jesus is saying. He said this is originally put together to protect people so that they wouldn't be abused. I'll be honest, I have my son, and there was one point in time my son was on a playground and someone was picking on him. And he came back to me and he says, Dad, I can't hit back because, you know, I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. I was like, whoa, whoa. No. That, that's, I said, this is what you're going to do. Next time this person messes with you, I want you to ball up your fist, and I want you to hit them dead in the nose. Now, many of you are going, oh, how unchristian. Nope, wrong answer. I did not allow my son to be a doormat, okay? I think so many of us in the Christian world have neutered our men to the point where they don't become men, and I was not going to do that to my son. Now, this is the thing. He went... And he popped that person in the nose. Did that person mess with him again? No. Changed things. But when he came back, I said, Tyler, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go play with that kid now. See the difference? I didn't say, Tyler, knock him out. Once they're down on the ground, you kick him until they can't walk anymore. Now, that was my natural thought. I'm not going to lie. I'm thinking, dude, knock him. You make sure he doesn't get up again. See, because that's what I was taught. That's what I was taught. And so I had to think, okay, how would I walk through this? See, Jesus is not saying let yourself get the tar beat out of you. That's not, see, this is about insults. This is about, about more of someone making fun of you maybe than someone beating you up. If you're in a relationship where someone is abusing you and you think that's godly, no, that's dumb. God does not want you to be in a relationship where someone is abusing you. And if you're in here and someone's abusing you, come talk to me. There's a couple of guys I can gather together in this church. We'll help handle that. <laughs> because this is the thing. God wants us to be godly people to grow in his rela- our relationship with him to mature, but we're not to be doormats either. We're not to be physically abused. That's not, that's not what this is saying. What this is saying is don't let them, if someone insults you, take it. See, because in that culture, if you get a backhanded slap, that was such a major insult to your manhood. That Jesus is saying, turn the other cheek, take, take another one. Take another one. Now, I, I don't know if you ever caught this, but during the beginning of the Gulf War, when we took over um, Baghdad, and the, the, the huge statues of Saddam Hussein were pulled down. Do you, does anybody remember what the people were doing? Their shoes, right? They were hitting the statue with the bottom of their shoe. That is a major, major insult. It wasn't like they were running up going, I'm going to hit you with my shoe, Right? It was amazing. To, to just show the bottom of your shoe to someone in that culture is a major, major insult. See, so Jesus is saying, you're going to be insulted. Take it. He goes on and he says, if someone were to, to sue you for your coat or take your coat or take your shirt, sorry, your shirt, he says, give your coat too. 
Now this is where it goes back to culturally. In that day, you were not allowed to sue someone for their outer garments because they might freeze, they might die. So you could sue them for their shirt. What Jesus is saying is if they take your shirt, give them the coat too. If you're insulted, if you're challenged in this way, give them, uh, back in that day, a Roman soldier could grab you and say, you're going to carry my stuff for me for the next mile. You're going to lead me to this place. So, so you've got to do this. And because of the way that their society was set up, you had to do it. He could actually throw you in jail if you didn't do it. So what Jesus says is, go two miles. Now, let's think about it. Have you ever heard the statement, go the extra mile? Hmm, biblical, kind of scary, okay? So these are the things. He even went on and said, the Pharisees have taught you, just love your friends, but hate your enemies. That, by the way, was not a biblical statement. That was not a biblical statement. That was one of those traditional religious things that they added to it. You know, the Pharisees added some 600 laws on top of the Ten Commandments. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees. He says, you have burdened the people so much that you don't allow them to live the way I've called them to live. So this is what we're doing. We're unpacking something way different than I think most of us have come to, to, to hear when it comes to Scripture and when it comes to living our life. See, because we've got to get our minds past getting even. See, that's what Jesus is for. We've got to get our minds past getting even. Because automatically someone slaps you, what do you think? I'm going to slap them back, right? If you don't think that, then we'll pray for you. Because, I mean, that's natural. That's, that's the original inclination of it. Why? Because we're sinners. We're fallen people. When Adam and Eve sinned, they started it all. And that's who we are. We're messed up people. If you're in here going, no, if someone were to slap me, I would say, Praise God for you. <laughs> then now you're a liar, okay? Because that's, you wouldn't, maybe later as you walk through it, but originally that's, a, I mean, that's like saying someone cuts you off on the highway and you're going, Jesus loves you. <laughs> right? I know I don't do that. It's like if someone, mothers, were to go up and do something to your child. I have realized that there are some amazing Amazing angry things that come out of a woman when you step in between them and their child. You know, they talk about grizzly bears and the protection of their cubs. That's nothing compared to you getting between a woman and her child. I think there are many evil things that come from a woman when you step between her and a child. Because you just don't. I see someone, well, I pray Jesus, preach it. <laughs> don't get in between me and my kid, right? This, it's what... I'm going to be honest with you. You, get in, you beat on me, I could take it. You talk about me, I could take it. You talk about my wife and my kids, wrong answer. And, and I have to walk through that because Jesus says they're going to be insulted too. How, how do you walk through that? How are you going to live this life? How are you going to do this? Because I think Jesus has called us, instead of just killing the person with revenge, he's called us to kill him with kindness. Because beyond getting uh, even with someone means that we need to live a life of love. And I'm not talking touchy-feely love. I'm not talking about, you know, just Jesus loves you, you know. Because I think Christians do a real good job of talking it and not doing it. And I, and I know some of you are going, that's really rude. I don't care. Because I'm sick and tired of the church not doing what the church has been called to do. You know, that's why I'm excited about being here this morning because some of you right now are being challenged and that's exactly where God wants you to be because living a life of love leads to challenges. Living the life as a follower of Christ leads to challenges. It's not easy. 
And we're going to be challenged in a whole bunch of different ways that most people may not even think about. We're going to be challenged physically. Very first thing, we're going to be challenged physically. God is going to allow things to happen in our life that does not mean our life is going to be hunky-dory all the time. We're going to be challenged physically. We're going to be challenged in in, in relationships. We're going to be challenged in a whole bunch of different places. And God says, you know what? I want you to understand that suffering is part of growing in me. Christians don't like hearing that part of things. We want everything nice and rosy and my finances to be perfect, my marriage to be perfect, my relationships to be perfect. But you know what? God says there is growth that happens through suffering. We learn things about him. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Dave and I were talking this morning, and, and there was something I was reading about, some Bible study being shut down in San Diego, and everybody was up in arms. I'm glad that happened. I'm glad that happened, because I really believe that if that more of that happened, we'd find out who really was someone that was following after Jesus. Because here in our culture, we don't get messed with. We get made fun of, but we don't be, get persecuted. I mean, if you want to talk about persecution, go to, the, go to China and be a Christian in China. Where just having a page of the Bible could get you shot. Go hang out with my buddy Pastor Jay in India, where he's got four teeth that got knocked out of his mouth because he was talking about Jesus in public, who lived in a three by three prison cell for six months because a Hindu priest had molested a boy. So they thought, well, because of karma, we better arrest a Christian guy and put him in jail for the same thing. They finally kicked him out of jail because they th- their comment was too many people are knowing about this Jesus. Because he won't shut up. Okay, see, so don't talk, oh, I have been persecuted for my faith. Bull. You've been inconvenienced. You haven't been persecuted. So we need to realize there's going to be physical challenges. I love 2 Corinthians 1, 5 through 6. You can be sure that, uh, that the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So when we are weighed down with troubles... It is for your benefit and salvation for when God comforts us. It is so that we in turn can be an encouragement to you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. It's part of being a Christian. You're going to have to deal with things. And that's the challenge. Because do you go your way? So you've been told. Or do you go Jesus' way? But I say. See, that's where the rub comes. That's where the wrestle comes. Because there are days that I go... I don't want to listen to what Jesus says. I would rather get even. But I have to listen. But I say. See, that's where we come with that physical growth. Next thing is this, is we're going to be challenged financially. We're going to be challenged financially. And I know many of you in here, if this is your first time, I don't want you to think, oh, here we go. They're going to talk to church talk about give us your money. No, no, no. God says, give me your money. Because really, it's not your money, it's mine. I just loaned it to you. Hey, we're going to be challenged financially. You're going to come to a point in time where God says in front of you that there is someone with a need and you're going to go, nope, can't help them. When you really can. See, God's going to challenge us in that area financially. Look what it says in 1 Timothy 6.18. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give generously to those in need. Always being ready to share with others whatever good is given. Notice that says always. Not when you feel like it. 
Not when you feel like it. One of the things that we do as a family, there are times, and I'm not saying this to build this up, it's just an example, okay? One of the things that we will do is we will pay for someone else's meal. Now, this is the thing. We don't tell them we're doing it. I don't walk over and go, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. Have a taco, okay? That's, that's, that's not the point. The point is to honor. God places it on our heart. You take care of that person. Do it. And I'm to the point where I don't want the person to know. And I'll tell the waitress, go pay for it, do this. Now, this is usually the question I get. The waitress will look at me and go, are you taking care of the tip too? <laughs> yes, we are. Sometimes I don't know whether or not they like that because I'm a Christian. They're thinking, oh, great, no tip. You know, I have three friends that work in ministry, that work in restaurants still, and their comment is, I hate Sundays. I hate Sundays. How is that challenging us financially? You know what I believe? I didn't say this last service. I'm going to say it now. I believe Christians should overtip. I should over, and don't put the gospel track in there too. Please don't. I, don't, I mean, but we should acknowledge those things. We should give. We should care for people financially. Um, the other day, uh, my family and I, were, we helped someone here in the church, and it was set up so that my son could get something for camp money, that kind of thing. And while we were there, we were so convicted that we shouldn't take the money that my son, my son, walked over and said, I can't do this. This is something the church should have been doing already for you, so I'm not going to take that money. I'll be honest with you. As a dad in the back, I'm going... And then I thought, but that's money for camp that I now have to pay for. <laughs> Both my wife and I are like, what? You know? But if God's the one walking you to do it, this is the thing. I heard a pastor say this. If it's God's deal, he'll flip the bill. I love that. You know, and that's easier said than done, isn't it? So you're like, yeah, until you got to pay, right? But it's financial. It's his money. Next thing is schedule. God is going to challenge us through our schedule because some of us are so scheduled to death that we don't have any room for God to show up or for God to use us. I'm that kind of person. I, when it comes to my job, when it comes to my work, I'm on time. When it comes to being at home and doing different, I'm not on time. I'll be honest. My wife's like, can we go? I'm like, we're never. You know, and when it's a job, we got to be five minutes early, those kind of things. I'm, you know, it, it drives her nuts. I know. It's like ADD boy jumped out. You know, and so... So it's one of those things that we have to walk through. But uh, uh, my accountability partner in Arizona convicted me. He said, you are so scheduled. You've got to stop doing that. He says, this is what I want you to do. If you see someone broken down on the highway, stop and help them. I'm like, no. We've got people that do that. There's, you know, service. Guys, that's, I don't want to take away from someone's job. That would be wrong of me, right? That would be wrong. So I started doing it. And, and, And it was very hard for me. Because there were times that I actually went past the person and had to come back around. Because it's like, no, I don't, no, I don't. Oh, conviction, conviction. Dang it! You know, get up there. At one point in time where I stopped with the lady, I started taking off her. She's like, could you, uh, I, I hate to say this, but could you go faster? And I'm like, sure. She's like, well, I'm late for a job interview. Okay, you betcha. She said, my husband left me. I've got two kids, and I've got neighbors watching my kids, and so I've got to do that. I said, you bet, no problem. She's like, so what do you do? I said, I work with students. Because I don't tell people a lot of times that I'm a pastor. Because things change. It's just like on the ninth hole of the golf course, after the guy has cussed the whole time, and he says, by the way, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. And he's like, oh, praise God. <laughs> I was reading through Leviticus this last week. 
I'm like, well, I knew you knew who God was because you used his name several times on a missed shot. You know, but things change. So I just, I work with students and we start talking and she's like, well, I was thinking about going to this church because I have divorce care and it's just down the road. I'm like, that's a good church because it was the one I worked at. I'm like, that's great. So she, she starts talking and she goes, so you work with students, but how do you teach? I'm like, kind of. And it was like, God finally said, you got to tell her what you do. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I said, well, I'm one of the pastors at the church. And she breaks down crying. She said, God sent you to me. I'm like, yeah, but I didn't want him to. <laughs> and my, I mean, I didn't tell her that, you know. But it's one of those things where those challenges come. We've got to seek the challenge in our schedule. First Peter 4, 9 says, cheerfully share your home with those in need of a meal or a place to stay. Romans 12, 13 says, when God's children are in need, be the one to help them out and get into the habit of inviting guests home for dinner or if they need lodging. Because if we walk through the challenges, then we come to the place where it's going to be a living a life of love is a lifestyle. It's, it's not so hard because we're used to it. We're able to walk through it. See, that's what God wants. He wants us to go from places where it's a challenge to where it's a lifestyle, where it's something we're used to, where people expect it. Don't you think it would be great if the church would be the church and do the things that God has called them to do without the church having to develop a program for it to happen? That the people of the church, the people of Jesus were doing it on their own. You know, where we're growing in our relationship with Christ on our own. You know you can read your Bible on your own. You don't need a church program to do that. As we live in this lifestyle, it changes things. Luke 6, 28 says, pray for the happiness of those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Ooh. Talk about a challenge when it comes to a lifestyle. That means someone that messes with you, you need to get to pray for them. That ex-wife, that ex-husband, you need to be praying for them. That person that hurt your child, you need to be praying for them. See, because that's where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? It's like, oh, yes, I can give $5 to someone. What, pray for someone that hurt me? I don't know about that. See, it becomes a lifestyle. 1 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says, whatever you do, um, do it. It's because Christ's love controls you. Since we believe that Christ died for everyone, we also believe that we have all died to the old life, oh, change in lifestyle, we used to live. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live to please themselves. They will live to please Christ who died and was raised for them. See, that's what Jesus is pushing for. He doesn't want the religious do's and don'ts that he was hearing from, so you've been told. He says, but I say, live it. Live a lifestyle, live a lifestyle of kindness, that you are to be leading when it comes to a life of kindness, that you being uh, by, you, ooh, I got all excited. <laughs> Breathe. Beyond getting even means living a life of love, real love, challenging love. Gordon McDonald said this, the world can, al can do almost anything as well as, as well as or better than the church. You don't need to be a Christian to build houses, feed the hungry, or heal, heal the sick. There's only one thing the world cannot do. It cannot offer grace. See, and that's where it goes from living with challenges to living a lifestyle to living a life that leads to Jesus. See, because that's our ultimate goal is to lead people to Jesus. By the way, it's not about leading people to Northgate. It's about leading people to Jesus. Now, if you bring people to Northgate, they better hear about Jesus or we're not doing our job, okay? It's about you growing in maturity. It's about you growing in faith because the last verse in that set of scriptures, it says, 
but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is to be perfect. If you read through that and in the Greek, it actually says you are to grow in maturity. Not perfection, maturity. It's time for us in the church to grow up. Get past ourselves and get to Jesus. Okay, That means you can read the Bible on your own. That means you can serve your neighbor without the church having a service day. See, because that's the ultimate, and when you serve that person, don't serve them and just say, hey, just wanted to be a neighbor. No, you should say is, I just wanted to be your neighbor and let you know that God loved me so much that I felt like I needed to love you. And that Jesus, the guy who died on the cross, I needed you to tell about him. Because you know what, whether or not your lawn is cut, I don't want you to die and go to hell. Because right now in our culture, we have a, this idea of community service and that the church should be involved. And we go out and we serve all these people. That's great. But where does Jesus enter into the picture? We need to tell them about Jesus. Because Jesus saves people. The church doesn't. A pastor doesn't. Jesus does. He's the one that's going to change a life. So look at 2 Timothy 1.9. It is God who saved us and chose us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it. Whoa. Did you get that? Not because we deserved it. We don't deserve it. We deserve hell. We're messed up, jacked up people. Look at the person next to you right now and say, we're messed up. (laughs) Now, by the way, don't look at the person next to them and go, amen. (laughs) That's the wrong, okay? We're messed up. We deserve to have hell. We've been given heaven. Why? Because that was the plan long before the world began to show his love and kindness to us through Christ Jesus. See, this all leads to Jesus. I I, I want you to ask the question, where are you at when it comes to living a life of love? Where are you at when it comes to Jesus? Because I could be safe to say, I could walk through your life, look at your scheduling book, look at your checkbook, and figure out who is your Jesus. It'd be real easy to figure that out. Who are you worshiping? Uh, I want you to, inside your program, there's, there's a little card. Pull it out. It's called a kindness coupon. Now, some of you are going, that is dumb. Well, this is what you got, okay? The kindness coupon is for you to give to someone just because. You want to know why? Jesus died on the cross just because he loved you. So for us to take a few moments to help someone out, to cut their lawn, to help them, that's what we need to do. Now, I put this in here so that you would be reminded, because many of you are going, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Great. And I guarantee you by Thursday, you've now scheduled Jesus out. Why do I say that? Because that's what I do. That's what I do. So I want you to think right now of someone who you can give this to. This may be the person that annoys you the most at the office. By the way, don't tell them that when you give them the kind of, <laughs> you really bug me. Praise Jesus. Okay, that's not... That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you need to think about this. How is God challenging you to serve someone? Maybe it's someone that has hurt you deeply. How are you going to serve them? Because talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Get beyond getting even by living a life of kindness. Use your kindness coupon. Encourage someone in a way that only you can encourage them. Encourage them only the way you can. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.